Good evening, everybody. Right, it's great to have you all joining us tonight. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us, finishing off your weekend with us. Getting into tonight now, we're going, and this is actually going to be the last week of the series. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at and hoping to learn to love like Jesus in a broken world. Again, you look at culture, you look at media, you look at social media, our world is fractured, it's broken, it's falling apart, nobody can get along, everybody has their opinions, and everybody's opinions are right. And if you disagree with that opinion, then you're wrong no matter what. Facts don't matter anymore, and we just can't get along with anybody anymore. But as we've looked at different ways, God has called us exactly to a time, such a time as this. How many of you guys really believe that? That you were born for today. God had a purpose for you to be born at this time. So he's given you all special gifts for this time. And the problem is, is we try to do it under our own strength and don't realize it's his plans. And when we surrender and let him work his plan through us, he can accomplish the things we would never see. The things we never thought we could. Remember week one, we talked about is live as free people, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Be servants of God, treat everyone to meet, you meet with dignity, love your spiritual family, revere God, and respect the government. That's how we started this. When we understand everyone was created unique and diversity is part of God's creation, we can start looking at people and treat them with the dignity of being a child of God. Because the minute we see somebody as less than us, we no longer treat them with the dignity they deserve. I love how Jesus went through, and, and if, you, if you go through the Bible and you see, you know, he's, he starts by talking off, you're slaves of God, right? That Jesus started to teach, you're slaves of God. And then he turns us from slaves to friends. But the ultimate thing is he doesn't stop there. He says, guess what? I'm taking you from friends to where you're now family. And that's our journey with God is he takes us from the slave ship of understanding, I will break you free from your burden of sin. And this is for everybody, not just for us. That's what we're trying to help people understand, that he now calls us his friends. He, all call, he calls everyone his friends, and then says, guess what? You're now part of the family. There's a deeper, intimate relationship with each step. See, God's purpose isn't about us accomplishing and building a great church. God's purpose is an intimate relationship with each one of us. Now, God cares more about this church than we do because it's his church. But he cares more about you than, the, than that. And again, one of my favorite sayings, I use it a lot. The temple was never God's dream. It was David's. David was God's dream. And that's how he looks at each one of you. It's not what can you do for him, but it's you that is his dream. He, it talks over in Scripture. He pursues you. He's never stopped pursuing you. Week two, we talked about opening our ears. Start hearing what people are saying. Don't assume we know what they're saying. You know, we, we learn to take time to hear their stories. We learn to look past the behavior and see that value that God has placed on them. We talked about asking what people need, not assuming we know what they need. Because we all need Jesus, we know that. And sadly, for some people, you may be the only Jesus people ever meet. And so how are you representing his kingdom when you're meeting people? Are you doing it under your own strength? Are you saying, I'm a forgiven, 
son or daughter of God, so I forgive. I'm a healed son or daughter of God, so I'm going to bring that healing to someone else. See, that's, that's the ministry of reconciliation that we talked about in week two. It's he loves everyone, and we want to show that. We want to decide when we see people in pain or we see behavior that isn't right, we're going to look at those people not as problems to be fixed, but people to be loved. Because nobody is a problem to be fixed. We all have problems. But everyone should be loved and feel the love of God. Last week, we talked about it all begins, it all ends at the cross. Everything we're doing is because of what Jesus has already done. The gospel in a nutshell isn't what you can do, it's what Jesus did. He died for us all. It's his blood that has set us free. It is blood that has washed us white as snow. It's not about you do and try harder, work harder, be more religious, or be a good person. It's about what Jesus has already done. Because when I get what Jesus has done for me, then I can be patient with the person who never wants to change. Or I think they don't want to change. And so I get upset. Then I continue to show love to, the, to my neighbors who might be a jerk. Because I remember what Jesus did for me. Then I bring help. And I bring reconciliation with some of the people in my own family. See, it's all about the Bible actually giving us a hint that it's about what Jesus has already done. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, he said, for Christ's love compels us. It compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And see, when we get that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and in our place, when we truly get that, it changes how we address the brokenness going on around us because we then realize how broken we are. And there's beauty in brokenness. See, we're afraid to be broken. We're afraid to admit our, admit our mistakes. We're afraid that people might find out that we're not perfect. And I think for too long in Christianity, we, we have portrayed that. But as I've read Scripture more and more, and I've prayed a lot over these last few weeks, there's beauty in brokenness. There's beauty in getting before God and saying, I ain't got it together. Help me. And I've been counseling somebody for the last couple weeks on that. And going back to my story, coming home to an empty house, it wasn't God fixed my marriage, it was God fixed me. That the rest will be taken care of. And that's what I've been working with him on. When he gets him right, everything else will be fine. But as long as we're focused on the external and not letting God clean up the internal, we'll always try to control it. And the more we try to control something, the more out of control it gets. And I'm sure you, some of you have probably tried that. With our own lives, we've tried to control it more than we should have. And all of a sudden, it's just spinning out of control because we thought we had all the answers. And then things get hard. And what do we do? Then we run to God. Prayer, Jesus, is our first line of defense. Should be our first line of defense, not our last line. And so when you run into problems, when you're running into things, 
when, when, we're, when we're listening to what God's saying, again, he says, you're going to have trouble. Get over it. I've overcome the world. Quit living in a temporary system when you're, you're built for eternity. We're just passing through. And when we can take, our, take ourselves out of the equation and put Jesus in, it all of a sudden makes sense. It's why we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Because my peace isn't in the circumstance I may get. It's in the one who died for me. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up our series on loving like Jesus, looking at one more way to do that. Tonight we're going to look at how can we love different in our broken world. Now Christy and I were talking about this, and, and I, I have preached a message on loving different before. But I, can't, you know, I, I came across a different scripture. I'm like, it fits great. But it's, it's really a different kind of love. Because everybody today seems like I'm only going to love you if you love me first. You know, it's a contract relationships. It's if, if you give me this, then I'll give you this. But Jesus, and our, our main verses are going to be in Romans 12. So if you want to go there, go ahead. Because when we started off the series, it's, it's, we, don't want, we want to live how, how God's called us to live that brings Him glory. And what brings Him the most glory is a close, intimate relationship with you. It's knowing you and you knowing Him personally that brings the most. And so when you all get to Romans 12, let me know. You know comment online even if you want to, if you're there. Um, we're going to go to chapter 12, verse 14. <laughs> and it's, again, when we think about the upside down, backwards, backwards teaching of Jesus, you know, he, he, he taught us, you know, to be great, Become the greatest servant. Don't try to lift yourself up. Serve everyone. And then watch what I do. Again, he, he calls John the Baptist. He says, no greater man has ever lived. And dude was beheaded. He wore wool. Ate like grubs and stuff in the wilderness. You know, wore camel's hair. Nobody thought he was a great man, but yet Jesus said, guess what? That, that is the greatest man ever born because he did nothing but serve God. I mean, that's, that, 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 that says something right there. And so when we get to Romans 12, starting in verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will weep, heap burning coals of shame on their heads. 
Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I mean, that not not easy verses to follow. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, just the first line. Bless those who persecute you. Yeah, that makes sense. Because see, what we see is a couple different things going on in these verses, and Paul keeps repeating himself in these verses. On one side, we see don't curse them, don't return evil for evil, don't take revenge, and don't let evil conquer you. Okay, Those are all repeated throughout that. On the other side, he says, bless those who persecute you, live in harmony with each other, give food and drink to your enemy, and overcome evil with good. It, almost like if you've ever read Proverbs. You know, it's written in that awesome poetry that Hebrew does. You know, but it, it's the alternating, here's the good, this is the bad. So he says, you know, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, even though they curse you. Don't repay evil for evil. How often do we do that, though? Because we like pulling that scripture out. It's an eye for an eye. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them back. Jesus all over the place, and you don't have to read this. I just like how, like how this one was written in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. I'm going to read it out of the message version. I just like what this says. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your neighbor, or hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to, the, to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Now again, that's a great one that smacked me in the face the minute I got to grow up. Because a lot of times what's happening in our culture today, again, for us that are older, it's like high school all over again. Sticks and stones type of thought process. Now I'm going to go talk to this friend and I'm going to try to get him on my side so we can go against him. And so if I can get these people to like me, then I can get them to not like him, which makes me feel better about me, but now leaves him out. And that's how our culture is treating each other right now. Seriously, we're in a culture of just high school. More? I'm not going to say it. Um, because I, I was the guy in school that could get along with every group. Didn't matter. Jocks, popular, dirtbags, drug addicts, druggies, whatever. I could get along with any of them. And I hung out with none of them. There's one guy from my high school that I still talk to to this day. That's just a little for you guys that are in high school right now thinking you have best friends that are going to last forever. Um, you will hang on to a few of them. But life takes us different directions. And it's why we have to put our trust in God and grow up and understand we, we are kingdom people. 
See, the first thing we see in those verses that I read out of Romans is to love like Jesus means we demonstrate it to all. We don't just demonstrate it to the people we like. God is calling us to love everyone. John 15, 12 says it this way. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. When we're at our jobs, do we treat people, the people we work with, as if they were Jesus? And do we love them that way? Now, I am not saying any of this is easy. It's why we need the Holy Spirit. It's why we need God on our side. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Do you remember back on, in the first week in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, what he was saying is Christ properly interpreted the law, leaving no room for racism or partiality. People of the kingdom of heaven should never practice racism, classism, ethnocentrism, or general dislike for those who are different than us. Everyone should be able to walk through that door and feel welcome in a church. But they say, studies have shown, Sundays is still the most segregated day in the United States. It shouldn't be that way. Christ's death on the cross purchased and paid the price for all people of God, every race, tongue, nationality, socioeconomic group, and background. What was separated because of sin, Christ brought us together through his death. There are no first and second class citizens in the kingdom of God. So we should be characterized by a radical love for all. Now if you've never read the book Crazy Love, it's a great book. Because if you think about it, the radical love of someone to go to a cross for someone who, didn't, who probably wouldn't accept him That's, that's, cra- that's a crazy love, ain't it? I mean, to the day they were hanging him on the cross, they were still ridiculing him. And what does he do? He says, Father, forgive him. You want to you talk about a, a stud? That dude was just, he, he was the man. Jesus, there was no greater man that ever walked this earth. Because see, a love like Jesus says, I'm going to love my enemies. Love must be demonstrated, though, by acts of kindness. It's not a word we say. Love is an action we do. Romans 5.8 says it this way, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we have to show love for people by our actions by what we do, how we talk to each other, how we listen to each other. I'm sure you've all heard people say, well, I just fell out of love with them. That is another lie straight from the depths of hell when it comes to a marriage. I'm sorry. Because guess what? My wife doesn't get to choose whether or not I love her. It was settled at the cross. And I will love her and I will show her that love. Now, we may not always get along, and they might not, I might not always like her. But I'm going to love her, and I'm going to try to show it some way. And if I get it wrong the first time, guess what? I'm mad enough to buck up and do it again. See, we give up too quickly nowadays. 
And I t- I've told you from the beginning, tell me we can't do something, and I'm going to fight to show you we can with God. What if God wants to do something great through you is how I live my life. I'm more scared of missing out on God doing something great than I am of failing. Because failure just means I found out a way not to do it. And when it comes to loving our enemies, guess what? You'll make mistakes, you'll do things wrong, and that's okay because that's why the grace of God is there to get, forgive us for doing it wrong. But if we come to him and say, okay, God, I screwed that up. How can I do it better next time? Guess what? He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask. And I'll give you the wisdom you need. So are you willing to plead for your enemies in obedience to Christ? Because by doing this, you're not only loving your enemies, but you're also growing in love with them. Because see, you can't, I had a, I think it was Greg and Aaron Smalley when we went to the marriage conference, said it's hard to argue with the spouse when you're praying with them. In fact, it was a running joke for a while for some of us. They'd see us arguing, it's like, do you guys need to pray? Okay, grab hands and pray. It's hard to argue with somebody when you're praying for them, ain't it? Because God's plan is to redeem and correct those people because he loves them. Let us remember that Christ died for all. And God's calling us to pray for everyone. So let us imitate Christ's example by loving our enemies radically, by not only showing them that love, but also willing to pray for them as well. Third thing loving like Jesus does is it proves our salvation. What I mean by that is I stole Scripture so I don't have to convince you of it. John 13, 34 says, And a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 2 Peter 1.10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election. For by doing this, you will never stumble into sin. See, by radical love, by a crazy love of following Jesus, it's actually proving to ourselves and those around us of our salvation in Jesus. Because it's saying, I trust Jesus more than I trust this circumstance. See, humility... And not thinking of myself as better than anyone else, what it does is it shows where my strength lies. It doesn't lie in myself, but it lies in who I belong to. And that's the beauty of this. See, it's a lot simpler than we make it. It's not easy. But salvation is simple. The hard part is we have to walk it out now. We have to prove it with our lives. We have to say, does my faith walk? Show it. Or do I still got to control things? Or do I still say this person's a horrible person and I never want to talk to this person and they're just a horrible, horrible, horrible person and I hope they die? High school, again. Will you pray for that person instead? Will you bring them before Jesus? And say, Jesus, I don't like this person that much right now. Help me to love them better. Wow. Wow. That's life-changing. How many guys in your marriages have ever prayed that? Not God changed my spouse, but God changed me and helped me love them better. Yeah. That's a tough one, ain't it? Somebody I don't like, God, help me love them better so I can show them who you are 
to how I love. That's, that's, where, that's where the rubber meets the road with our faith walk. You know my one song that I listen to again? It says, this faith walk ain't no cakewalk. Faith walk isn't, isn't an easy thing to do, but it's what we're called to do. And the fourth thing says it will be rewarded by God. Loving like Jesus, God will reward that. Galatians 6.9 says it this way, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. See, in considering his kingdom, Christ said to his disciples that they should live in such a way that it will be rewarded. And what their reward is, is salvation. They will be rewarded by practicing a life of secrecy instead of doing it where everybody can see it. What's your faith life like not here on Sundays? What's it like tomorrow morning? That's what we get rewarded for. See, we'll be rewarded for living by faith instead of living for the things of this world. But also we'll be rewarded by practicing that radical love that Jesus showed us on the cross towards others. 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15 says, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work will be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what kind of work each one has done. If what someone has built survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only through fire. One day the works of all believers are going to be tested by God. Everything we say, God's going to put into his fire. Will it come through on the other side as a work of faith? Or did we try to do it on our own? The last thing it does as we get ready, and I do have a video at the end here I want to show, is it what the last thing loving like Jesus does is it distinguishes believers from the world. John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Remember that old song? How'd it go? Hey, we, know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Remember that song? And hey, we don't sing it anymore because it's old. We used to sing it in vacation Bible school. It was cool back then because it was a chorus. It was new. But it's a very simple song that, that still is telling a great truth. People will know you're a Christian by your love. I'm going, to say that I'm going to give this quote from Ken Hughes and then we'll play the video. The question we must ask is, is there more in my love? Is there something about my love that cannot be explained in natural terms? Is there something special and unique about my love to others that is not present in the life of an unbeliever? These are important questions because if, they are, if there is not more to our love, if we love only those with whom we have something in common we, and who treat us well, if there is nothing more than that, we are perhaps not Christians at all. He says, notice I did not say we must perfectly exhibit the more of this love, but ask ourselves, is there more to my love?